0: Welcome to Screen Tone Club. This is episode 118, god that number's high, of your fortnightly look at manga, manga, um we are recording this on the 11th of december 2022 um oh god it's getting close to christmas oh christ uh for release on the 20th of december 2022 which is even closer to christmas if you're listening to this on release uh maybe like check to make sure you've bought or readied everything and also frankly you're too late for posting stuff so just give up um my name is elliot page suddenly panicking and remembering he needs to write christmas cards and send them before um the royal mail strike destroys them and joining me is my ever lovely co-host mr andy hanley how you doing andy
1: yeah also trying not to think about postal issues for for various reasons because yeah it's time is time is running out as it turns out
0: yeah people are going to be going postal um as a complete beat of shop talk i have seen more than one website um including royal mail itself um post a thing saying hey like all of our delivery times are estimates like do not expect this before christmas it's like well at least you're being upfront about it so oh god um please make sure to support the strike uh royal rail workers work damn hard and anyway enough of my sandboxing let's talk about manga 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 um if you want to hear us talk more about, about more manga you can support us on patreon where you get bonus episodes including the ability to vote on what we cover on those bonus episodes um this will be announced on twitter obviously so you may have seen it before this comes out out but um the december bonus episode topic has been decided and it is dandadan um so so yeah i've read this before on manga plus and i believe it's coming out physically as well and yeah gonna have a little look at that old ditty um have vague fond remembrances of it but frankly anything i read more than three months ago exits my brain so therein lies the rub also on our Patreon are our lovely shout outs tier members. Mr. Rob Jessup, the Blue Head Cyborg, and Sigurd get Thank you ever so much for supporting us. Uh, may Santa bring you lovely things down the chimney. Or a different other way to enter your domicile, I suppose, if you don't have a chimney. Enough of me. Uh, you can tell I'm full of Guinness and I am Bruce, so I am full of both kinds of magical elixir. And let's talk about, well, light novels and manga. Do you want me to go first, Andy? I feel like I've built up a head of steam by accident here
1: yeah yeah let's let's uh let's remove some of that head of steam by talking about your pick
0: let's cut it down i suppose um right so my pick was reincarnated as a sword volume one uh please note this is the light novel um i managed to accidentally purchase the manga and then went oh fuck and bought the light novel and then almost bought the spin-off light novel but quickly or spin off other thing another wish but anyway reincarnated as a sword volume one um, this was recommended to me by people I trust, um, who I trust ever so slightly less now, um, <laughs> as a preview of the rest of this review, um, because we re-read for a bonus episode, um, Reborn as a Vending Machine, Now I Wander the Dungeon, which was charming in its own particular way. Uh, please see our previous bonus episode for our thoughts on that. So... Reincarnated as a sword, um, I'm gonna finally do a short synopsis, is about an unnamed main character who gets isekai'd after death and is now a sword, a sentient weapon. Um, he wakes up, they wake up, even the sword wakes up in a pedestal, very um, Legend of Zelda master sword like, in the middle of like a small amount of ruins. Um, And so as this is an isekai um, story with video game roots and references, it turns into a stat humping novel very quickly within about three pages. And so you get a verbatim list of skills, hit points, durability points and other sort of nonsense attached to our sword protagonist because, of course, it has RPG style like, you know, outputs of skills and such. Um, our sword protagonist discovers it can do telekinesis and so fling itself around and so doesn't actually need anyone to help, um, navigate, um, itself around. So it doesn't actually need an owner, uh, or a wielder even. And it goes for the first third of this novel, it's chapter one, which is a long chapter one, and it goes on like an extended and gruesomely described genocide spree of the local fauna and flora um including like multiple sets of goblins who are clearly shown to be sentient but my that's one of my gripes to come back to later but after this like glorious bloodbath um and sort of skill up and statifying nonsense our sword gets stuck in like a quicksand magic draining bog um, which is very convenient for the storyline, uh because a bunch of slavers come along with our other main character, Fran, who is a cat eared girl who are the most shat upon beast species in the world of this fantasy land thing and etc etc slavers get murdered in a really gruesome fashion i mean hell they're slavers um he our sword um buddies up with fran who decides to wield him as the lone single survivor of the entire slave caravan oh god and they then bond together in a very unequal and slightly strange way and the volume ends with another genocide of a cave full of goblins and a demon who isn't very charismatic and then another goblin and that's the end of the volume and by the end of it fran is super sugoi and has leveled up like three ranks at once in the local adventurer guild which of course has rpg style requirements for mission completion or killing monsters of a certain grade to increase in rank and you know it's all very numbers-fuckstein sort of level of stuff. And, yeah, I frankly ended up really disliking this series – And it wasn't like a pure burning hate. It was just the fact that I did not enjoy reading it. It was a slog. It was very, it it felt like it was getting longer. Like it was, it was Zeno's light novel. Like every time I read 10 pages, there were five more pages to read. And it's like, oh Christ. And especially when it got to the like gleeful genocide parts. I know I'm hammering on that a lot, but it's the only word I can really use for just how blasé and tossed off the like wholesale gruesome murder um of creatures is like even if it wasn't like goblins who clearly have a society and language um all the rest of the creatures also get it in the neck or the chest as it turns out and of course, like the sword is so OP and magical and sugoi and yada, yada, yada. They meet a bunch of other characters who are either in awe of their power or enthralled by it or excited by it and all this malarkey. And it has zero tension because there's no way to inject any because the series actively deflates it before any turns up. And even the need to keep the powers of this sword on the down low so it doesn't make it very strange that this 14-year-old beast girl is like, you know, murdering entire caves full of goblins and demons, you know, that even goes out of the window. And, you know, everyone around becomes weird, complicit folk in this um, endeavour. And so yeah, this it this this series was a slog. The one thing that I was told uh, by multiple people about this is that there's kind of an endearing paternalistic angle to it, where the sword feels like a dad, um, but it comes off as creepy, and the like the kind of dad that you know if you go out of his daughter he starts talking about castrating you um sort of daily you know the whole like you know bring her back from promo virgin or i'll kill you type thing um and it kind of sucks frankly um and also at some point the sword gets named teacher because sensei you know the sword also imparts skills which means that friend can be super murdery um and yeah, that's basically my long and short of this review. And also, even like the last saving grace of a light novel, the illustrations ain't that interesting. <laughs> like, you can draw cat girls a lot more interestingly than this. I'm sorry. But yeah, that's me. That's my ramble done. Uh, I have to actually say up front before I cede the floor to you, Andy, I'm very sorry. I, I thought it would be better than this. But what, <laughs> I, what, I might be proven wrong. What did you think of this, Andy?
1: It was so boring. It's like... <laughs> That's basically the cliff notes. Like, I didn't even really find time to hate it. It was just, I mean, a slog is kind of the right word for it. It just, it just goes through the motions and doesn't really find anything interesting to do. It, it probably kind of struck particularly badly given that earlier this year we read uh, Reborn as a Vending Machine, I Wander the Dungeon, which kind of, you know, comes from a similar starting place, but that series finds a lot of very interesting ways to use its RPG mechanics it makes proper use of having kind of you know an inanimate main character that is somehow sentient and like has a really it has a lot of fun kind of playing with that idea of like this is literally a vendor machine it can't move whereas again like one of the things I feel like this this light novel just undercuts itself straight away by being like oh I've got the ability to move basically and it's like well that's the entire thing that might have made this fun, you've just managed to kind of short-circuit within a few pages. And, like, why? Um So, yeah, I know. It just gets way too dense and into the weeds with all of its mechanical stuff like it feels like you're kind of reading a manual sometimes not an actual book um and then yeah like you say you know everything just gets solved with kind of a murder spree which again like vending machine is quite good at uh, sort of making that like if, if if there's any kind of violence involved there is like a thought process around that of like am i okay with this am i comfortable doing this And it feels like there's an earnest kind of, you know, weighing up of, like, you know, my own life versus somebody else's. Whereas here, it's like, there is, like, the most perfunctory, almost like, I should have felt bad murdering all these people slash beings, but I didn't, so let's move on. Um, And then, yeah, like, you know, even once you have, you know, a human character appear on the scene, it doesn't do anything to really... You know, elevate things again, like vendor machine has builds up some good relationships where you're actually invested in. Whereas this is just again, really perfunctory, really kind of by the numbers and rote. And you know, yeah, it, it feels, it feels weird because it feels like it's. it feels like it's trying so hard not to be pervy to the point where it just feels like it is anyway because it's trying to sidestep that so much it's like no you you keep you know it's kind of like somebody trying to Trying to convince you that they're not a certain type of person by constantly mentioning how they're not a certain type of person. It's <laughs> like you're really in denial about this a lot. Like this is a little bit strange now, um, and so it has that vibe to it. And yeah, it's just so dull. Like it, yeah, it just had no. You know, my my expectations for this were not great. But I at least thought I'll probably have some fun moments. You know, it'll it'll find some things that'll be like, ah, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool, or cute, or funny, or whatever. And it just isn't. It's just so dry and, like, unentertaining.
0: Yeah, I... uh, I, at At the risk of backseat editing once again, like, the entire first, like, third, the first chapter turns into a weird farming spree for this sort for the sword because it you know the one skillet is born with at the very start of the story is skill steel, which means that oh if i find skills that enemy creatures have i absorb them and that and again like as you say like vending machine i don't want to do the comparison too directly but vending machine also did a really smart thing where its most powerful thing was a force field So it could protect people, which is cool. But also, it couldn't communicate effectively. Like, it had eight speech samples it could use. And that's interesting and quite funny. Whereas the first two fucking things that S.W.O.R.D. gets are levitation, so it can fly about, and also telepathy. So it's like, oh, there is zero concern about communication or intent here. Like, because you can speak directly into the minds of those around you. So... There's no real danger here. Like, and again, like, it, it spends the, the, it's so strange because it's, the entire first chapter is that like crazy, unbridled murder power fantasy. And then it gets a small amount of depowering. And then the actual adventure starts when Frat, when it gets Frat, when Fran gets him or he gets Fran, basically, like he's basically just hitching a ride on the back of his beast girl. Um, and, Honestly like if you wanted to tell the core story of you know Oyaji Sword plus Beast Girl um you could have cut out the entire first chapter and started them started them off from a much weaker position in terms of like power and not the fact that like The sword is already crazy, stupid, powerful. And then it has to start making up new categories and tiers of skills because the numbers are too high. And it has to then, you know, if you're like a strategy guide at some point, it's like, oh, if you get fire magic 10, you then get flame magic one. It's like, what is this? Final Fantasy fucking two for the NES, for the Nintendo. (laughs) Like, what's going on here? And as you say, like, it's just boring because it's long and it's laborious and it's tiresome. And, as you say, like, there's a lot of, you know, doff protest too much. You know, it's like the sword will say, oh, you know, I certainly would not do anything untoward when thinking about her young, supple 14-year-old body. And it's like, ah, I feel dirty reading this. Like, what's going on? And yeah, as you say, it, I could not, I could not summon up any kind of the normal, like, white-hot, interesting hate. It was just boring and long and kept getting longer ahead of me when i was reading it i'm like oh god please end like why is this so long and getting more long and boring
1: (laughs) yeah and and even kind of thinking away from stuff like vendor machine i mean even when you have more kind of power fantasy focused stories like this. Like I think of things like reincarnated as a slime, like that, that goes pretty fast from like, I'm just a useless slime to like, Oh, like I'm ruling like, yeah, I've created my own kingdom or also a side order of genocide happens in that series at some point. Um, uh, But you know, that at least has an interesting progression and it has, a main character who is interesting enough to be like, oh, okay, this is actually like an interesting journey, even though it is clearly like you know power fantasy at the end of the day. Whereas this doesn't even have that of like, yeah, you know, had you created a compelling, interesting, charismatic main character. Then maybe you could have carried doing a lot of this other stuff, but it's just like, there's not, there's not even any of that going on there. And yeah, like you say, it, it basically feels like a strategy guide at the end of the day. And it's, it's so weird because the whole point of having these kind of stories with like an RPG sort of leveling system in is that you that's the fun part right is the unlocking of abilities and the the slow burn of like you know stuff like so i'm a spider so what has a similar kind of cadence of like it 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 understands that the leveling is the interesting part because you know a you have to choose you know how how you're specking out as a character but b it also means you know there's the risk reward side of it and all of this stuff that makes that valuable but when you give out you know dish out all of these things these important kind of abilities like candy like in the first few pages then like none of that becomes interesting anymore like i I had no you know i think about you know spider as, as a really good example of just like it's really interesting watching like okay what's the direction this character's going in how you know, how are they going to use and grow these abilities? Whereas here it's like, I had zero interest in any of that, even mechanically, because it's like, well, you've actually got all the best skills already. So really everything else is irrelevant. Like this is like turning cheat mode on, typing in God mode and then being like, well, it doesn't really matter what weapons I pick or anything anymore because I'm basically indestructible.
0: Yeah, Spider. Um, I must admit I got to a point in that manga where the, like the numbers and stat screens stuff started to, extremely turned me off yeah and it was still it still had a kernel of interest though because it was like forgive me for the very this is going to date me like an old man but like it felt like diablo to build creation where it's like okay i can't have everything in the skill tree that's impossible i only have so long to live and i need to make sure my choices are efficient and effective but also don't lock me down a certain pathway i'm not too cool with like the whole the fact it combined the skill system with the evolution system where the spider grew into new advanced forms of itself it's like okay you've clearly like thought about this in a way that offloads some of the boring shit But at the same time, it's like, okay, let's not go crazy numbers on this, but we can still have numbers. Um, And as you say, like the fact that, the first thing, the the power that this sword protagonist has is the ability to steal skills from anything it touches. And then, at the end of the volume, the final sort of, like, boss, like, the, like, fat lieutenant noble who is a stuffed shirt in the local, like, palace guard or whatever the fuck, like, they steal a skill from him, which uh, they both, they they power level a skill-stealing skill and then steal his skills that are unique and special to him. And it's like, well, you've... You've defanged an actual int- interesting antagonist who you can't directly murder. And so you have this character who has just rocked up and been a pain in the dick and then immediately defanged them. And it's like, well, shit, like you, you had a good antagonist for a second there. And two pages later, you've stolen both of their signature skills. Like, and also I'm not sure how I feel about this fucking, like, Young teen beast girls suddenly becoming like, you know, amazingly good at lying. And it's like, okay, like also, that's one other thing I wrote about it, is the fact that like like the fact that their skills extend to stuff that feels more like learned or acquired abilities. I'm words are being mixed up here, but like stuff you learn. But it's like, oh, I have level two in maths, and it's like, and you skill stole that. Like, how do you steal maths? Did you like stab a goblin and suddenly figure out trigonometry? Like, I wish I could. I would have. Gen- I would have killed a lot of caves worth of goblins to make my maths A level easier, Andy. I can tell you that bloody much. Um, but yeah, some of that stuff just gets weird because it's like, I don't think social skills are the sort of thing you kill goblins to level. Like, even Skyrim figured that out and had you have to talk to people to increase your speech. Like. That was the whole point of it. The more you use it, the better it gets. Not, I stab a goblin in its crystal and suddenly I can, you know, barter better. Like, anyway, I'm getting into the weeds and actually playing into its game of stat systems and stuff. But that's all just another reason why it was boring because it's just like, you know, it would skip ahead a few days in story And also, it, also at the end of it is the fact that like the entire like length of the story is like four days and it's like, Christ alive. Like you two grew, grew close fast. (laughs) I mean, I guess being in mortal peril constantly will help you grow fond of each other. I don't know. But yeah, as you say, it's boring. And also like it's, it, 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 I can only imagine it getting more boring because they're so powerful already. Like what's going to stop them? So.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah and i i kind of thought like like once you know fran was introduced I was like okay maybe this is going to be a turning point that's going to make that interesting but then they just it just runs into all the same traps with her because you you know he, she basically rocks up he's like oh you're not going to be any good with the sword like no actually i'm pretty good already so it's fine and it's you know it's like well again this is not and, and you know i, I realize everyone's probably fed up of like the vending machine comparisons but like that at least had a good a good partnership there of like okay you've got a character that is skilled but also has deficiencies, and so <laughs> thus you make a good partnership. Whereas this is just like, no, nah, like you're pretty good with the sword. Sword has crazy OP powers you know, you basically turned into He-Man, in, in, you know, instantly. Um, and, you know, so yeah, n- none of that has anything. And also she's she's like straight up just like, yeah, I've, I've thought about killing people quite a lot. And it's like, oh, cool. All right. <laughs> I guess you are a good match after all.
0: Yeah. And, then, and that just makes it even more daft when they're like, oh, you are the weakest beast species. And, oh, no one of your species has ever evolved. And it's like, what is this fucking Pokemon? Like, is she going to suddenly become Fighting to as well as fire type at some point like maybe who knows she'll become an inc- incineroar or something and everyone will go oh another bipedal fighting fire pokemon um but yeah or, or I, don't know, I don't know well she's not a Sprigotito, so who fucking cares so yeah it's yeah, I think talking about this, honestly, I've been excited to talk about this because I think talking about it now is more interesting than the book itself. Um, although I would still like my hours back, but hell, it's only my own fault to blame. And as I said at the start, and I'm going to reinforce now, even the illustrations aren't that interesting. Like, you know, they ha- there are a few that look okay, but there's only a few, of- there's not that many. And also it's like, yeah, for how much you're selling Fran and how cool the action is, you're not showing any action. And Fran doesn't you know even when you're complaining about her being covered in slave rags you don't really bring that across in the art so yeah. whatever
1: yeah well if anything i mean again that the, the art kind of works against like the 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 prose's attempts to be like no there's nothing creepy about this because we kind of get friend basically in lingerie and just like hey here she is but you know she's like a daughter to me and it's like you're not really selling this with the illustrations what you're actually saying here
0: yeah they're like oh let's go underwear shopping and i'm like why do you need a sword in a lingerie shop <laughs> like i know i know some people would probably find a sword useful in an S, but i think they frown upon that like when you wear a bike helmet and they're like hey take it off come on
1: yeah, so yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to to be fair, at this time of Christmas shopping, then yeah, like carrying offensive weapons sounds like the dream for my shopping trips. But uh.
0: yeah, to to bring back another reference to Diablo Two, you want the Barbarian Whirlwind skill? <laughs> um, then you can just right hold down right click and. You know, all those cues in John Lewis vanish. Um, although you do get very messy doing so. Um it's like Chainsaw Man out there, just like intestines for days. Um please, please do not assume this is me calling for people to go postal in a John Lewis, like, oh my god. Um oof. anyway i think i better stop now but yeah i there's 11 volumes of this in english there's 14 in japan there's also a manga version as mentioned there's an anime um which is i think is this season which is extremely packed but yeah i'm i'm gonna dust my hands and walk away from this whole thing wholesale Um, yeah
1: yeah li- likewise I-, I feel like th- this is maybe maybe like overly harsh on this specific series but this feels like exactly the kind of fodder that has given like the isekai genre a bad name of just like oh they're all the same they're all boring and stupid because it's like this is exactly it like you know because we've read some good stuff on this podcast, oh yeah like, you know as-, as as well as Vendor Machine like stuff like you know do you love your mum and the two hit multi-target <laughs> attacks like at least that got kind of done pretty fast but at least it was fun getting there um and there and, was actually you
0: know. some emotional hooks in there it's like oh we've picked up this cindera girl who also has mummy issues come back in volume two to find out more and i'm like shit am i going to pick up volume two and to this day i have not but i have other stuff that i've caught picked up and as you say like it feels almost like it's not quite to the level of gag or parody tier of like hey this is doing all the stuff that we rag on writing light novels for doing like what is this
1: so yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing like especially at this point in this genre like if you're gonna do something like this you've really got to swing for the fences and this just doesn't like you know it, uh, swinging sword jokes can be inserted here but like yeah there's just it doesn't do anything that marks it out and everything that it does do is just like again it's that classic there are like at least a dozen series i could name that do all of this stuff a lot better than this does and so why would you read it in such a packed genre
0: yeah i mean we're part i I think at this point we're basically past the saturation point like way past the isekai saturation point um so goodness knows where we go from here um but either way um that has been unless you've got anything else meant and to mention andy i'm i'm out so no,
1: no, no nothing else from me
0: no um stuff i should have mentioned at the top apologies um, the author is you tanaka um it's by seven seas and as mentioned it's not currently complete you can get it physically or digitally um however you are to picky poison um and so yeah that has been reincarnated as a sword uh, volume one uh the light novel and so, moving back into the world of manga, um, Andy, let's talk about Colourless. Take it away, my friend.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, Colourless is my pick for uh, this episode. Not the Kachi Horror film, um, but uh, a-, a manga... Uh, created by Kent not the county but an actual person <laughs> yeah um, I, wouldn't, I
0: wouldn't trust the county to do anything creative
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apologies to anyone who lives in Kent but also you're probably nodding and agreeing right now um, hey man I've
0: spent long enough in Canterbury that place is it's, it's, it's like an isekai world except bad Like I'm going to leave it there come at me <laughs> Kent fans
1: there's going to be emails um, but yeah so this is published by Seven Seas uh, not complete currently there are six volumes out in Japanese uh, three in English uh, no anime thus far um, and it is available physically and digitally um, and so the starting point of colorless is, is effectively like 300 years prior to where our actual story takes place um, there was a big old solar flare which has the very cool name of the mercy pulse um, I like that um, and uh, as massive solar flares are want to do It kind of screwed up a lot of digital data. In fact, all of it. So, effectively, all of kind of mankind's digital knowledge was erased at at a stroke. Um, What is perhaps less scientific fact uh, from Solar Flares is it also removed all of the color from the Earth and basically mutated all humans into these basically humans with non-human faces for for want of a better description cool lizard Um, people yeah yeah like and and and, yeah and other kind of assorted uh mutations um and so we fast forward 300 years and obviously you know those kind of days pre the mercy pass are kind of like effectively forgotten history at this point um the the idea of kind of color has almost become this sort of religious deity um and there is this organization called the order because there's always somebody called the order in these things um who have basically like deified the idea of color um and it turns out that there is some kind of power to this as well that the the pigment and whatever that is left behind effectively kind of holds a lot of energy so it's not just kind of completely, like, religious nonsense. There is some kind of background to it. Um, but our main character for this is um a, a fellow called Avi, or Avidia, who is, like, a professor, who is kind of... He- he's sort of part professor, part kind of private detective, it feels like, Uh because as much as he's doing his own research on colour and, you know, the power that it holds, he's also kind of poking around quite a lot in this world and particularly around the order and what they're doing because this sort of what is effectively started out as this religious cult that seemingly has its claws everywhere in kind of authority and policing etc etc yeah avi, sort of- avi
0: has a lot of interest in color and so as a result the order have a lot of interest in him and yeah. i think the very first thing that happens is that basically he he ambushes them trying to ambush him at his lab and it's like oh they already know where you live dude <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and th- there's kind of an interesting back and forth there of like you know it's made pretty clear that they sort of of tolerate him to an extent because of the work that he's doing but also like he is very much on borrowed time of like you know overstep the mark at all and it, it, th- things won't go so great for him um but anyway the, the core of this story is basically and, and i understand this very much as as a brit like the the, the, the waitress that makes his really awesome tea has gone missing and you know a, a good cup of tea is hard to find at the best of times, especially in like this sort of post solar flare dystopia. Um, and so he, he basically decides, well, this, this, this sounds weird. This sounds a bit unusual. Of course, it qu- quickly becomes clear that the order are somehow involved with like kidnapping a waitress and like, why is this? And so he kind of gets involved in the investigation, um, finds said waitress who has, quite the surprise for everybody in terms of, of her kind of uh, uh, her person um, of course she has amnesia so she knows nothing about it uh, which is another another classic of this kind of story um, and by the end of this volume you know Avi is in pretty deep in terms of what's going on here um, around the Order, around Chie who is the, the girl in question um, and so on and so forth and so I guess the first thing to say about this this series, which is kind of again made clear in the the afterward, is that visually it's kind of it's it's far more influenced by American comics than manga, and it sort of it, it kind of splits the difference a bit. It still has a something of a manga vibe to it, but it also has a very American comic feel to it, which is kind of quite nice and refreshing. I sort of kind of enjoyed having that as just a bit of a palette cleanse. Um, but otherwise. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit all over the place on this because I kind of liked it. I sort of quite liked it in terms of setup and it being a weird sort of pseudoscience, hard-boiled detective kind of story. But at the same time, I also feel like I... I couldn't help but think of stuff like um, No Guns Life and probably other series that I could mention that kind of go down a similar route and maybe do it with a bit more panache than this does. So, I don't know. I kind of came away liking the vibe of this, generally liking the direction of it. There's certainly nothing that I particularly hated about it, but it also didn't absolutely kind of grab me by the collar and drag me along and say, hey, you really want to see what happens next. I was kind of like... I could, I could be, I could be persuaded to read more of this and see where it goes, but I'm not. I don't have a red hot yearning to be like. I must pick up volume two right now.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. Um, as a quick question, um, how did you read this, Andy? Just before I forget about
1: this, um, I read it digitally. Um, did you read I, it on a
0: color screen? Because I read it on my black and white tablet, and oh, then remembered. Yes. Oh, are there spot colors on this? Am I missing something? Am I meant to ask. Yeah.
1: So, so yeah, yeah. There, there are. There are very few it's kind of it's incredibly subtle to the point where i wasn't sure whether it was actually color at all but like where, where there are, <laughs> is my tv where,
0: broken what the fuck
1: where, where there are like the capsules of kind of pigment that, that like avi uses in his pretty cool to be honest gun yeah um, like there's this kind of like very subtle almost like pinkish glow that comes off of those and so it's very it's not like there are sudden like massive like bursts of color but there are these very subtle kind of undertones of just like there's something there but it's very very faint so yeah a monitor
0: sorry
1: yeah there's there's not like a riot of color or anything that turns up at any point but there is a subtle hint of just like yeah here's the color in this world you can kind of see it if you squint hard enough
0: yeah it's it it's not it, it looks more like you've got like ghosting on your monitor rather than actual color um i suppose so yeah i i'm kind of all over all over the place with this series as well like avi is an interesting character because he's clearly independently sort of secure and can do have a lab which is also monitored but they kind the order kind of leaves him alone because they are almost bedfellows in their interest in color um and it this series in particular feels like a pastiche of other stuff which I know is reductive and people complain and I complain when you're like, oh, this is something meets something, seats something. But this feels like a sublimation or like a, co- a, a conglomeration of the like Tsutomo Nihei and influences and like both precursors and successors, like everyone in that constellation. Like it feels like a pastiche of other stuff, like the city you see looks and feels a lot like Blame um the but not quite as grody or not quite as intense or given over to the robots but it still has that vibe it has vibes of dorohedero because of the town itself not being as bad as the whole but still having that vibe and of course you've got like lizard-faced and like you know um dudes who look like beetles got fucked up like walking around and that's cool like and it also reminds me vaguely of blood blockade battlefront with that kind of flight of fancy and that sort of like angle and it also again and also it reminds me of big o where you have the main character who you have like amnesia plot lines and you have someone who's like an independent investigator who is clearly one of the best at their job and is well known for it but at the same time is living a precarious life and oh it could go bad if the forces that be turn their eye on them which again is like Roger smith in big o because if paradigm wants to snuff someone out then you know it's like sauron's eye it turns to you and you're gone but it's all these it's it's just all these and as you say there is this this sort of like holding net of american comic sensibilities which does make it interesting but it means that you have all these different like inspirations or sources or like touchstones that are all filtered together into this bag called colorless which makes it interesting but also makes it feel weird where it feels I wouldn't say derivative, but it just feels like overly informed. And also because it's so broad in what the main character is doing and what is happening – it feels like it's being diluted and spread out too much. Like, like, I like Avi. I think he's a cook character. Like, he does cool things. He has a cool, like, he has like a gun that looks like the Dead Space thing. You know that default pistol you get in Dead Space, which is like a welding tool, but is actually the best gun in the game. And you're a stupid idiot if you buy any other gun because it's well good. And it's like, Hey, I can just bisect fucking zombies with this shit. Except this one fires gut, fires color and it's extreme extremely unwieldy and you can see the entire like technical breakdown of how you like feed a test tube of color into it and also the fact that then it's like oh well but this also means if we use up all this color then there's none left so it's like oh fuck like that's a wild revel- revel- revelation that appears and also as you say you've got chia the amnesiac girl from another age who has particular special ability special like aspects to her that have her being monitored and you have the cafe, which is kind of nice that it sticks around the cafe and sadly kind of like takes a dump on the cafe proprietress because of her closeness to what the order is after. And the fact that the order themselves are not dumb. They know to get other punks involved to do their shit, which is interesting, but also makes it confusing in terms of timeline. So there's all this interesting stuff, but it's so, there's so much of it and it's so broad that it, as I say, it dilutes it. And I don't, I, <laughs> to to say something rather cruel rather flippantly it comes out without any real identity of its own for me at least that's how i feel about it is that it just gets smeared out too thin and i'm like there's a lot of cool stuff here like the fixer guy that avi hangs out with covetous which hey that's a fucking name that should send some alarm bells ringing it's like (laughs) hey you've got a fixer called covetous like is, I, I was waiting for him to double-cross Avi, but then halfway through the volume, like, oh no, Covetous is all in and they're buds. Like, I can't yeah. imagine him actually throwing him under the bus. Also, he ate, like, four plates of pasta. What the fuck? For breakfast. <laughs> like, who does that? Um, and also, he has the most, like, best-defined lizard face, basically. <laughs> like, it's like, hey, that guy's cool. Um, but yeah, there's just... There's no, it's, you know, it's, it's a mile wide, but an inch deep at times. And there's so much, there's so much interesting stuff spread amongst these different aspects. It's like, okay, there's something here, but nothing has really cohered together. And as you say, like, I could, I could read more of this. Maybe there's something interesting to it, but volume one has not sold me or given me a clear, defined reason to care.
1: Yeah, yeah. And even kind of the end of Volume 1 really just kind of like amps up some antagonists to be like, oh, more more fighting times. And it's like, I'm not sure that's necessarily the most interesting part of this. It's like, yeah, the action scenes are kind of cool, but, you know, not enough so to be again that, that red hot like I, I want to read more of it and I, I think as well as the influences the other interesting thing in terms of this feeling spread thin is again the, the other thing that the afterward from the author makes clear is like this is kind of a story he's been workshopping for a very long time like over many many years and many iterations in various forms from kind of you know his student days forward and there's, he, he kind of actually lays out this really interesting timeline of like oh yeah this was kind of effectively my first draft of this story like you know like a day. Decade or so ago and then you know I worked on these other versions around similar concepts and kind of you know changed this around and I think that's kind of part of it as well is that this does almost it's both a blessing and a curse that it does feel quite polished but it actually always feels overly polished to the point of like you you are so kind of hyper focused on this general idea and this general vibe that you've got going on that maybe actually it could do with just being a bit more kind of scattershot and just throwing things about to see what sticks because it has this very clear idea I feel like of the story it wants to tell and maybe it could actually do with just being a bit more all over the place to give the characters a bit more time to shine and to give you a bit more of a feel of like oh this is the stuff that I'm really invested in here yeah it
0: almost I almost feel like my old maths teacher who wants to write underneath it show you're working
1: yeah
0: um i mean to be fair the author does in the afterword like it shows you the iterations of avi's head basically and it's like you have spent eight plus years polishing this and turning it around in your mind and i know that feeling well but at the same time you know as a result it's like well you've already arrived at this final version of what you're trying to tell but I feel like I'm missing the steps leading up to it at times. And as I say, like, Avi is so all over the place in terms of, like, you know, the Order knows where he lives, but also the Order want him, but leave him alone, and it's like, there's a lot here. There isn't really a defined clear line, what's going on here. As interesting as it all is, like, the fact that there's like, unsurprisingly, in this far future, there is an upside and a downside to the city that are split by a single bridge which only admits, like, 50 cars, because who the fuck wants to go to the poor area and the poors can't come to the rich area and it's like yeah okay that makes sense like why not just lay it on thick and make it real fucking obvious um and it does lead to a cool action scene and a van chase and all that stuff um crazy food truck eat your heart out um but at the same time it's like yeah this is this you could almost as you say you could do with just more stuff being defined and as you say more more shotgun blast please
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I, i i will say i mean it's it is, I, I kind of enjoyed the, the whole pseudo science of this series and how it kind of tosses it around. Um, and it, it also, you know, it, it goes quite quickly from like, oh, we lost all digital data and technology to like, no, nah, we still have like CCTV and EMP and stuff. And it's like, well, I guess you, you kind of you kind of rebuilt some of that and it, it, also, it also has a bit of a back and forth there because then there's a point where it's like oh no we still have technology it's just whatever's left behind that hasn't fallen apart yet and it's like okay again that that has like shades of Nihei to it and uh, you know that whole vibe. Um, my favourite part was that they basically, they, they find a moment to effectively use their pseudoscience to, to make uh, Chi a, a glasses wearing girl and it's like okay yeah. that was that's pretty good, I'll let you have that one
0: I have the words Megane um, written in my notepad with three underlines.
1: Yeah. Mostly it's because just, like
0: it uses like three quarters of a page for that. And it's like, aha, we're we're going after you. You know? It's like, oh okay. yeah. Here yeah. It's
1: like, yes, because because your eyes are not used to this particular thing you will need to wear this ancient contraption <laughs> it's like it just happens to look like a pair of glasses i love it i
0: mean everyone else just wears contacts you know they finally made contacts not feel weird yeah um, yeah <laughs> yeah i did like the fact that you know again clearly the product of a lot of thinking about it because the field of study is chromodynamics and it's like yeah. oh that sounds like the producer of you know rice out export cars <laughs> so hey um yeah. Also, Covetous is. I, I like Covetous a lot. I think he's quite funny. He's the most expressive character, especially because he seems to spend half the time with his tongue hanging out. And it's like, hey, your tongue is clearly too too big for your weird lizard face. Let's get wild with it. Um, again, still shocked he has not portrayed the main character.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I, again, this is the sort of thing that that does make me like kind of maybe want to read volume two. Is just like he's kind of interesting like chia obviously there's a lot to kind of you know untapped with her character and i feel like there is space there for like other characters to be introduced here again to because i've been thinking a lot about no guns life like that's a series that's quite smart at building up sort of a cache of secondary characters who are all kind of interesting and all bit around the protagonist so that you know whenever you want to change things up a, a bit you've got somebody else that you can kind of lean on for a bit and this series feels like it could do that as well and to have have some more kind of recurring characters to to, to flesh that out but yeah like all of the characters are kind of interesting or likable in their own ways and you know e- even what we've seen of the order it's like okay there's stuff here that i kind of interested in seeing you dig into is just that like you say, none of it is given enough focus to be like, oh, this is the thing that, you know, you're clearly gonna you're gonna aim towards and that I wanna see more of.
0: Yeah, I almost feel like I want more of Avi doing, you know, jobs. Like doing mercenary stuff, just to kind of pad him out a bit more and give him a bit of personality in how he reacts to his work, you know.
1: Yeah, well, because because that and and that's the interesting thing is like this the the starting point of this because as much as like to me he feels like a sort of hardball detective, but everything he has the else coat ar- for
0: it, frankly, <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe it is literally just the coat because yeah, it, it doesn't, it, it's not that vibe of like oh, you know, I'm I'm a gun for hire or you know, I'm here to do private investigative work like he is seemingly he's set up as just a scientist it's like this is my lab this is look at these sweet experiments that I'm doing but he doesn't give off that scientist vibe in a lot of other ways so it's like what what is his deal like you know what was he doing you almost want like because there are a couple of like little side story chapters at the end of this and I almost wanted one to be like a chapter like minus 0.5 of like what was the dude doing like two weeks before apart from drinking this really great tea that GA made like what was he doing with his days was he just tinkering in a lab making cool experiments was he going around you know shooting his color gun at people like you know what was what was what was this guy doing like I want to see his his normal day job no
0: yeah you got it there like I wanted to see in the normal day before events overtake him um especially because the very first thing that happens is this is that two mooks sent from the order are trying to ambush him and he counter ambushes them and it's like well this is an escalation in violence like you don't try and jump someone at their lab and then go oh well we'll leave them alone and it's like well no like they know what you're doing now <laughs> like that's a bad that's a bad loose end to leave untied um There is one of the chapters actually kind of... One of the bonus chapters actually bummed me out quite a lot. And it's the one that focuses on G.A.'s point of view, which kind of flattens her character out an awful lot. Where Mm -hmm. she's just walking around, like, Avi's flat going, Oh, what's all this? Oh, well, I guess I'll make some tea. And it's like, okay, that's cute. But at the same time, you've made this character way less interesting by making her super boring. Like, you know, you don't need her to be, like, mysterious girl from the past sort of nonsense. But, you know a little bit of mystery wouldn't have gone amiss like hell like even like again another reference but like hell even um oh melfina from um outlaw star it's like hey she's a girl who arrived from a briefcase and can't remember anything but she does have a personality and some willpower and that's interesting so you know give amnesiac girls personalities i think
1: yeah. Yeah, and, and and again that's a shame because like the actual, you know, mainstay of the volume, like it has a couple of nice little flashes of moments where like, you know, she recalls something and you're like, Okay, you know, there's there's definitely there's stuff here that you're clearly like building up to and as a character, you know, it feels like she has she doesn't just feel like damsel in distress entirely it feels like she has a certain amount of independence or desire for independence and it's like yeah kind of do 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 more with her um but then yeah that that chapter is kind of a bit a, a bit of a, a bit of a nothing when it kind of sets up because I, I was quite excited about that it's like okay yeah i want to see what like what, what her deal is when she's not being kidnapped basically and it just yeah it falls a little bit flat
0: yeah have her do stuff um you know, make her fire the color gun. So it'll probably <laughs> blow her arms off, frankly. Um, but hey, <laughs> give girls cut dead space guns. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 at the risk of sounding extremely rude again, um, if it's on sale, I'll probably pick up volume two. Um, but as it is, ah, I got other stuff to read. My backlog is still not going down, so I'm kind of okay. How about you, Andy?
1: Yeah, I, I think I might try and read the second volume just out of curiosity because there's there's definitely enough there. But yeah, like it's, it's certainly if there there is other stuff in my backlog that will be taking precedence. But hopefully, if I have loads of time to sit and read stuff over Christmas, which fingers crossed, I'm mm. hoping I will. Like this is definitely one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know what? Sure, why not? I'll, I'll check out a little bit more
0: for sure um yeah i yeah i must admit this is quite cruel but from seeing the preview of the second volume at the end of the volume it's like hey here's a two-page spread of the stuff coming up in volume two and none of that looked interesting it's like oh they've got pickaxes and they're wearing hard hats i uh, oh okay i guess (laughs) like sure why not (laughs) like but yeah not not the not the biggest call to action in terms of cool stuff um but hey um although the the breakdown of like one of the antagonists at the end of the volume was pretty cool it's like oh man you designed the fuck out of this thing
1: <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i mean that that's clearly kind of where it's going in terms of like hey look look at these sweet antagonists that are going to be prominent and it's like okay that you've done some good work there i'll certainly give you that
0: yeah yeah have this guy design enemies in a first person shooter please um god i'm just imagining someone making a a shooter on itch where it's all monochrome apart from your like bright green gun um (laughs) uh pattern pending copyright mine mine um i don't have time to make it but hey
1: um anything else to mention about Colorless Andy? Uh no, no, I think I think that's it. It's a, it's an intriguing one if nothing else.
0: Yeah, uh, if nothing else the like the packaging or the like the like uh, the container the, the sort of the sheen or the kind of the aspect of it being american comics based makes it interesting um, yeah
1: and, and I'll, I'll also say the covers are really sick as well oh like, sure you know, yes it has really good cover art which is, yeah. is you know it, which is almost a bit of a like you get inside it's like oh it's not quite as good and then it's like well I, I don't know what i was expecting
0: yeah if nothing else like avi is a pretty cool dude i mean to be fair if been rolling around in your head for eight eight years and you finally drew his final form that stands to reason but yeah avi's pretty cool um the problem is that it's almost too cool because it's like hey you need to actually have some personality to this guy and not have him be awesome at everything that makes it weird so hey um but yeah that's been also um as british um people um everything is wrong in this what the fuck there's a u in color you weirdos knock it off um, also it meant that whenever I was typing up the notes for this, I had to quickly keep correcting myself in the notes. But that's, that's a me problem, frankly. <laughs> Uh, so announcing what we're talking about for next episode um i'm pulling the trigger on something that i have like written in the document a number of times at this point but i've always bumped it for something more pressing or interest or immediately grabbing me but i have finally pulled the trigger and i am saying that we should read volume one of yokohama kaidashi kiko also known as yokohama shopping trip um, released this year by seven seas um it's a deluxe edition so it's like double size, uh, both digital and physical, if you fancy. And Andy, how about you?
1: Yeah, so, well, my pick was going to be Yokohama Kiko as well. Um, but uh, in, in lieu of that, uh, my pick for the next podcast is uh, My Wonderful World, Volume 1. Ooh, it almost sounds like
0: a this is your lifestyle thing.
1: Uh, yeah, no, it's, it, this, this is definitely one of those kind of read the synopsis, like, this sounds crazy interesting, so let's Ooh. check it out
0: you're right that does sound interesting damn okay yeah good shout sometimes the synopses you read and you're like oh you've just given away the storyline what the fuck what's going on here <laughs> okay so moving into close down uh thank you ever so much for listening you can find our website with all of our previous episodes at screentone.club uh, if you like the podcast please tell a friend word of mouth is still frankly the single most efficient way and effective way for podcasts to grow uh, podcast advertising is a silly joke frankly most of the time and we don't want to sell friggin' pillows and suitcases and, ugh, and meal delivery services um as a note i've been listening to old podcasts for a few years back and some of those companies don't exist anymore so hey good job idiots Um, Also, reviews and ratings on podcast platforms, especially iTunes, really helps. So, if you have it in your, in you to take some time for doing that, much appreciated. You can find our Twitter at Screentone Club. We also have an email address at show at screentone.club if you want to complain about my poor opinions um and in terms of personal stuff uh my name's elliot page as mentioned you can find me on twitter at elliot page um posting snow and cat pictures mostly although the two rarely meet because the cat does not want to be in the snow andy how about you uh,
1: uh yeah you can find me on twitter at hannah's 1979
0: also perhaps in snow
1: yes yeah yeah It's it's been it's been pretty pretty marginal the snow thus far but we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes
0: yeah i i there's a cold front coming dude we're doomed um anyway so thank you so much for listening and from both of us uh good night
1: bye everyone bye